Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 39 I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I'll keep a muzzle on my mouth as long as the wicked are in my presence. I was silent and still. I held my peace to no avail. My distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me. While I mused, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Lord, let me know my end, and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing in your sight. Surely everyone stands as a mere breath. Surely everyone goes about like a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. They heap up and do not know who will gather. And now, O Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. I do not make do not make me the scorn of the fool. I am silent. I do not open my mouth, for it is you who have done it. Remove your stroke from me. I am worn down by the blows of your hand. You chastise mortals in punishment for sin, consuming like a moth what is dear to them. Surely everyone is a mere breath. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not hold your peace at my tears, for I am your passing guest, an alien like all my forebears. Turn your gaze away from me that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. Jeremiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 17. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Hear the words of this covenant and speak to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. You shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Cursed be anyone who does not heed the words of this covenant, which I commanded your ancestors when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, from the iron smelter, saying, Listen to my voice and do all that I command you. So shall you be my people, and I will be your God, that I may perform the oath that I swore to your ancestors, to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, as at this day. Then I answered, So be it, Lord. And the Lord said to me, Proclaim all these words in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. Hear the words of this covenant and do them. For I solemnly warned your ancestors when I brought them up out of the land of Egypt, warning them persistently, even to this day, saying, Obey my voice. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone talked in the stubbornness of an evil will. So I brought upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to to do, but they did not. And the Lord said to me, Conspiracy exists among the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They've turned back to the iniquities of their ancestors of old, who refused to heed my words. They've gone after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken the covenant that I have made with their ancestors. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Assuredly, I am going to bring disaster upon them that they cannot escape. Though they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. Then the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem will go and cry out to the gods to whom they make offerings, but they will never save them in the time of their trouble. For your gods have become as many as your towns, O Judah, And as many as the streets of Jerusalem are the altars to shame you have set up, altars to make offerings to Baal. 
As for you, do not pray for this people, or lift up or a cry or prayer on their behalf. For I will not listen when they call to me in the time of their trouble. What right has my beloved in my house, when she has done vile deeds? Can vows and sacrificial flesh avert your doom? Can you then exult? The Lord once called you a green olive tree, fair with goodly fruit. But with the roar of a great tempest, he will set fire to it, and its branches will be consumed. The Lord of hosts, who planted you, has pronounced evil against you because of the evil that the house of Israel and the house of Judah have done, provoking me to anger by making offerings to Baal. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore you have no excuse, whoever you are, when you judge others. For in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, are doing the very same things. You say, we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is in accordance with truth. Do you imagine, whoever you are, that when you judge those who do such things and yet do them yourself, you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Do you not realize that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But by your hard and impenitent heart you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. For he will repay according to each one's deeds, to those who, pay, who by patiently doing good for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. While for those who are self-seeking and obey not the truth but wickedness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be anguish and distress for everyone who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Good morning and welcome to the third Monday of Lent. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 39, Jeremiah 11, and Romans 2. And I'm actually recording this the evening before because I've got a VA appointment and got a splitting headache. But I did want to um, reflect on this morning's readings, um, maybe a bit because of what I've struggled with and I, I, I want to believe other soldiers struggle with as well. And that is uh, doing good for the sake of benefit, or I don't want to say reward, because reward comes from somewhere, but benefit doesn't always come from somewhere, it may just happen. Because in Romans, the sixth verse of our reading, um, or I'm sorry, the seventh verse, talk, when he talks about those who by patiently doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. And I got into this conversation with a family member a long time ago, back when I was still like trying to figure out what Christianity meant and all that stuff. And um, this person seemed to get hung up on the idea that Christians believe that you can do, that you are to be selfless and that by doing good things and expecting, you know, immortality or eternal life or whatever, that it is not selfless and therefore is self-defeating. And I didn't, believe it at the time, and I still don't, but maybe the words were less formed. Um, I genuinely don't know. But I remember when I reflect back on that, I think to myself that, no, it's perfectly all right that you benefit. Like you receiving good is totally fine. You know, we work in order to be paid, right? Um, and in Paul, you know, 
as critical as he is of works, he does make it clear like, you know, he makes these like subtle allusions to, um, you know, to kind of throw you off balance. Um, it is perfectly fine to do good patiently and in doing good, seek for glory and honor and immortality. In fact, that will, you know, uh, bring you closer to eternal life. But there are also those who are self-seeking uh, and obey not the truth, but wickedness. And you could be self-seeking and still do good. Um, but if doing something for yourself is the motivation, then that's maybe the problem. I, when I do good, I feel good. And I, when I do good, I remember that feeling that I feel when I do good. And I don't know that that is doing something so that I would feel good um, because I, there's a lot of things that feel good that I don't do. And I think this is kind of that really fine distinction that, that Paul's language here rests upon. It's, you know, cause, motivation, intent are important. Um, you know, if you're giving money to the poor to be seen, you are getting something, but you're not giving, you're not doing it to be good and to do good. You're doing good as a means to an end. And that end is not God. It's not to be good. Uh, that means is for others to look at you as good. And there's a really fine distinction because like uh, you can do good. People can see you do the good, think of you well, but it could still be that you were motivated properly. Um, and so it's, that's, I think, why it's important to remember that only God sees what's in the heart, that as far as people are, are concerned, you can only see the outside. And sometimes the outside reflects the inside. The good outside sometimes reflects the good inside. But not always. Only God knows the motivations of others. And sometimes we don't even know our own motivations. And so it's with a a hefty grain of salt that we have to remember that we don't do good in order to get things. We do good to be good, and it feels good to be good. Um, but it's you know it's kind of a slippery slope to doing things to feel good rather than to be good. In North Carolina, there is this the the state motto has stuck with me a long time because it is really painful going through certain experiences and wishing people would be more interested in being good than just seeming good. And that motto in Latin is ecce quam videri, to be rather than to seem. Um, you know, the, the difference between character and reputation is, is that reputation is uh, gossip disguised as history. Nobody knows other than what someone says. And that person saying something, you know, may not be true, but it may appear true. Um, <clears throat> I say that because reputation is, I, I don't think I have a very good reputation. I think people do not think very highly of me. And to a certain extent, I, I care, but I don't care. Um, it's important that I be, to me, it's important to be a person of good character. And sometimes doing good pisses people off because there's a lot of systems that are fucked up. And when you call those systems out and people identify with their those systems, they think that you're, you know, calling them out or you're, you know, or if you're calling them out and it's because they've done something wrong, they don't want 
other people to think that they've done anything wrong, even if they have. They prefer a good reputation over a good character. And so um, that's one of the things that's been frustrating me lately is, you know, what does it mean um, to speak truth and to embody truth? And how easy is it to appear as though you're speaking truth even while you're failing to embody it? I think that's something I struggle with. Um, and I, I'd like to think that other people struggle with it, but um, given my experience, it's, it's hard to be optimistic. Um, at the end of the day, I have to trust that um, I'm doing the best that I think I can under my circumstances. And reputation you know, aside, I do have control over my character, and only I know what my experiences truly are. And only I know, <clears throat> um, on on a certain level, I, mean, I don't think we can know ourselves entirely. Um, but I think it's important to keep our motivations really clear. To do the right thing, to not be a hypocrite, that's one of my big ones, to, to mean what I say and to do what I believe, um, regardless of you know, you know, the threat of harm. Um, and that can sometimes... That can, that can be spun different ways and it can be uh, misunderstood. It can also be understood. Um, but in a world where there's a lot of systems that make it easier to do things selfishly, uh, it also becomes easy to make it appear as though you're selfless, even if ultimately it's your own self-interest that, that motivates you. Um, and that's why I think it's also important to do our best to reserve judgment. Because only God sees what's in one another's hearts. And frankly, I don't know if we know what's in our own heart. Um, but God does, and I have faith that God does. And thankfully, God is the one who will judge us. A prayer for guidance from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, by whom the meek are guided in judgment, and light rises up in darkness for the godly, grant us, in all our doubts and uncertainties, the grace to ask what you would have us do, that the spirit of wisdom may save us from all false choices, and that in your light we may see light, and in your straight path may not stumble. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with pewpewhq in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.